I was cycling along the River Thames a little while ago and listening to a guy called uh, Peter Scacero who does healthy spirituality and I heard him give a quote and he was talking really about living in this relationship with Jesus, this loving union with Jesus, this connection with Jesus, this intimacy with Jesus and he said basically Christianity following Jesus is not about adding one more item to your already burdened life. Rather, it's an invitation to make a U-turn, to rearrange your life around an entirely different way of being, a groundbreaking, culture-defying act of rebellion against Western way of doing leadership in life. So I got gripped by those words, rebellion. <laughs> culture-defying, U-turn. I, 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 it, was, it was one of those moments you have where you, if you have an encounter with Jesus in a quote, and, and one of the verses he mentioned was Revelation 3, and he talks about, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I was gripped by the idea, you can eat with Jesus. He's going to knock at the door. He wants to be with me. And uh, I decided we would preach that on a Sunday morning. And I hadn't looked at the context of the verse. Have you ever had that? A verse jumps out and you're really excited about the verse. And then you are reminded to go and look at the context. And the context is this. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. (laughs) I think you've got to preach it in context. I couldn't just go to knocking, but... (laughs) I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth or I'm about to vomit you up. You say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. I love these verses because there's an incredible invitation in these verses to have an encounter with Jesus and an intimacy with Jesus and being filled with Jesus that goes beyond our wildest imagination and goes beyond anything we've currently experienced, known or enjoyed. There's more. There's an encounter with Jesus where we get so fed. And I think there's something wonderful about self-awareness. It's great to know yourself. There's a good thing about self-awareness that you know how you react when you're hungry, tired or confused. That you know yourself, that you know and have an understanding of how you tick and what you need and what energises you. There's something great about self-awareness. But these verses tell us that there's something even more wonderful than self-awareness. There's something even more transformative than knowing ourselves. There's something that's even of greater security and well-being. And it's this, that Jesus loves us so much 
that he's willing to come alongside and give us wonderful feedback. (laughs) It's really good news. In fact, it's the greatest antidote to one of the strategies of the enemy, which is to accuse the brethren and the brothers and sisters. Because you can say, I don't really need to look inwards and get into the paralysis of analysis and introspection because I have one who has promised to give me loving feedback. And so if I need to hear anything, he's going to give me feedback. Because I don't know what I don't know. Saul had to be knocked off his donkey on the way to Damascus. I need sometimes to be knocked off my donkey and he loves me enough to knock me off my donkey. I'm all secure. I don't need your stabbing feedback. You can say that to the accuser. So Revelation 3.14 is saying this. This church, this Laodicean church, is not really aware of their true spiritual condition. They're self-aware and they think, actually, we are rich and we don't need anything. That's what this church is like. They think we're rich, we're well-to-do, we're sorted, we absolutely need nothing. Actually, according to historians, Laodicea experienced, along with a lot of regions, a huge earthquake. And this locality was so well-to-do and wealthy, they didn't need any money from Rome to rebuild their own city. We don't need a thing. They were able to rebuild themselves without drawing on the resources of Rome. We don't need a thing. This is a city that was a business centre. It was a prosperous centre. This was a place that was a fashion centre. They had a whole industry of clothing. This was a place that uh, had a medical centre, medical resources. They used to create balm for eyes to help people with their eyes. And it's to this place that Jesus says, you're poor, you're naked, you're blind. (laughs) They thought they were so well-to-do. We're rich We don't need anything. They were self-sufficient, independent, and this was an important issue that they needed some feedback on. See, Jesus wants to be everything for us, and he doesn't want us to depend upon our own capacity, our own resources, our own ability. Actually, Paul says it's when I'm weak, I'm strong. And that we have capacities, we have giftings, we have strengths. But actually Jesus wants us to know that actually I am weak and his grace works perfectly and most profoundly and is seen most evidently in our weaknesses. And so Jesus wants to come to any of us and in any area of our life where we think I'm independent, I'm self-sufficient, I can do it myself. And Jesus says where he sees that, it actually makes him feel sick. And I don't think it's the kind of sick where of a, an angry, threatening, rejecting kind of sick. It's the kind of sick that a mum or dad feels when they look at their kids and they think, this isn't the best for you. It's the kind of sick, emotional response we feel when anybody chooses something that's lower than their destiny and lower than their calling and lower than their dignity. It's that kind of sickness, there's something better for you. And this sense that rises up within us, there's more for you. Because Jesus is offering a deep experience of his love and his goodness and his spiritual riches. Jesus is saying, I'm correcting, I'm coming to you because I actually want you to see spiritually. 
I want you to be rich spiritually and I want every area of your, your shame covered by your identity in me. It's the kind of passionate pursuit that says, I don't want you to settle for anything less. And so Jesus is not in these verses threatening us with rejection. Jesus doesn't come to us to threaten us so that we double our efforts and work extra hard. He's coming alongside because he's got an important invitation. I want you to become rich. I want you to go into a deeper experience of me. So there's a wonderful invitation in these verses where we can say to Jesus, and remember he's speaking to the church, he's not speaking to individuals, he's speaking to a group of people. Jesus, do you have any feedback for me? Do you have any feedback that you want to speak? Do you have any feedback because you're offering spiritual riches You're offering spiritual sightedness. You're offering a covering and a clothing that covers all of my shame. And so he he speaks to us in the rush of life. Some of us, we live in London and London's a busy city and people are rushing. People are doing in our location multiple jobs to survive. He speaks into the rush of life. He speaks into the areas where we have such a passion for Jesus and such a passion for his kingdom and such a passion for advancement, but actually our intimacy and connection and passion for relationship becomes sporadic. Have you ever found yourself in that? You look at your life and you think there's advance, there's opportunities, there's projects, there's things you long to see happen. And you think, but my connection with Jesus, my enjoyment of Jesus is sporadic. (laughs) It's every now and then when I'm desperate. He speaks to a relationship of spiritual autopilot. You know, where we just got our gift and we just retreat into our strength. You know, we just have these gifts that he will not revoke, he will not ask to return. We can just function in our gift. And somehow live disconnected from an intimate union, connection and drawing on and eating and feasting in relationship with Jesus. And he speaks into autopilot. He speaks into those prayers that we just pray through the letterbox. I haven't got time for you to come in, Jesus, but I need you. (laughs) Because I've got so much that I'm doing for you that I haven't got time to be with you right now. So I'm crying out through the letterbox but I don't want you to come in right now because it would just take too much time and he speaks into that sense where the door of our heart opens sometimes and is shut and opens sometimes and then is shut and he just lovingly and tenderly comes alongside and says hey when the door of your heart isn't continuously open to relationship with me I just want you to know that that leaves you spiritually broken. I just want you to know that that leaves you blind. And that leaves you in a sense of being naked. And that leaves you poor. Read in one writer says this, I use up my life in the desire for pleasure, power, honour, knowledge and love to clothe this false self. 
And I wind experiences around myself and cover myself with pleasures and glory-like bandages in order to make myself perceptible to, to myself and to the world, as if I were an invisible body that could only become visible when something visible covered its surface. But there's no substance under the things with which I am clothed. I am hollow, and my structure of pleasures and ambition has no foundation. And when they are gone, there is nothing left of me but my own nakedness and emptiness and hollowness. And Jesus says, I'm going to clothe that. I'm going to cover that shame. I'm going to clothe you. And so he speaks in and says to us, come and buy from me. Come and buy from me. Come and buy from me. Trust that what I have and who I am will actually ultimately satisfy you. That every good and wonderful and perfect gift is actually pointing to the ultimate experience and the ultimate fulfiller of that, that is Jesus. So Jesus, he's this pursuer, he's this knocker at the door, he's this initiator, he's this one who comes after us and pursues us and seeks us and comes after us. He's the one who will come alongside us when we're on our bike thinking of nothing and sneak up on us and say, I want you to do a U-turn. I want you to do a culture-defying act of rebellion. I want you to rebel against every definition of success, every definition of significance, and every definition of worth, and be a, a rebel. <laughs> to be in rebellion to everything our culture says makes you worthy, and say, I belong to another and I'm going to draw from him. He pursues us. He knocks. He wants to connect with us intimately. And sometimes we say things and it's good. We say, I'm not as hungry for God as I used to be, or I'm really hungry for God right now. Actually, there's one who is more hungry for connection and intimacy than we'll ever be. He says, I stand at the door and knock. I'm seeking, I'm initiating, I'm coming after you. I want to meet with you more than you want to meet with me. I'm more hungry to meet with your church, to meet with your people, than you'll ever be to meet with me. And just prophesy over the guy who's opening, just changing that. That's like you opening the door to Jesus. That you heard a knock on the door and you said, we're going to build a charismatic opportunity. And the reason you're doing that is because you heard a knock at the door. And you opened the door. And how did you open the door? Strategically, you create an opportunity for men and women to get fed. Because Jesus wants to eat with your people and, and they're going to eat with him. It is absolutely guaranteed that the moment we open the door and say, we're making space, Jesus. We're giving time, Jesus. We're inviting you in, Jesus. We hear your knock at the door. It's because he's the seeker. He's the seeker of the lost. And he's the one who absolutely will guarantee that meeting will be full of Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely. It cannot fail. It can't. Because you heard a knock at the door and you opened it. And Jesus says, I'm going to come in and eat. And notice he doesn't force this relationship on us. He says, I stand at the door and knock. 
I stand at the door and knock. And sometimes we're those people, aren't we? You, if you want to meet with me, Jesus, you know where I am. <laughs> you got food for me, you know where I am, you can come and meet with me anytime you want. And actually says, I stand at the door and knock. There's something about our choice. There's something about our choice to, to hear a knock at the door and just simply believe that he says, I want to come in and I want to eat with you. That's the promise. And like we've been hearing in testimony after testimony, Jesus heals because he is the healer. All you did and all Sasha did and all the other people did was create a landing spot for the reality that the healer is here and he wants to heal. It's our choice, even in our personal lives, our church's lives, to say, what would it look like, Jesus, to open the door to the one who wants to feed us? I'm going to take the locks off the, wall, the door. I'm taking them off. I'm taking the locks off. And yeah, it takes courage to take the locks off, to change some stuff around, to make some room, to create some opportunities, to make actually the one priority, Jesus. Jesus. The one priority, Jesus. I think um, Rob and Lizzie were saying about um, Paul Manwaring saying, you can have something on the chair of your church. You can have pastoral needs on the chair. You can have evangelism on the chair. You can have a lot of things on the chair of the church. But the one thing that should be on the chair of the church is Jesus. That everything is built around Jesus. Encountering Jesus. Worshipping Jesus. Some people say, if we worship too long... What about the non-believer? Will they get uncomfortable? Well, Jesus is the seeker of the lost. Jesus is on the chair. What about the pastoral? What about the pastoral? Won't the people feel unloved if we make it all about Jesus? No, they'll get their needs met because in the presence of God, there'll be breakthrough, there'll be healing, there'll be deliverance. And so it's taking the locks off. It's taking the locks off our own heart and saying, this is an act of humility because Jesus, I am blind, I am naked, I am poor, without an encounter with you. But I don't have to be, because I'm hearing you knock at the door, and I'm hearing you say you're going to clothe me. The other thing is that opening the door to Jesus is not about a long list of spiritual practices and activities and disciplines. This is, because as soon as we hear about Jesus wants to feed us, we think, I know what, I'm going to do a load of stuff. A load of stuff, a load of declarations are brilliant. I'm going to do loads of declarations and I'm going to, I'm going to show you Jesus. I'm hungry. I'm reading the Bible in a year. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with I'm, I'm going to pray longer, Jesus. I'm going to tarry because I've, heard, because I've heard you want to fill my belly and I'm going to be serious for you, Jesus, because I hear you knock. You can do a whole load of spiritual activities and disciplines and habits and still have the door shut to Jesus. Someone once said we can mistake our adrenaline for an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can have our doors still shut and we're so busy. So busy behind our door. Opening the door is about saying, Jesus, I give you full access to me. It's inviting Jesus into absolutely everything and every detail and every nuance. It's slowing down. Everything gets slowed down. 
is asking Jesus, what do you think about that difficult meeting? What can I say? He's asking Jesus, what's the steps that you've got? What's your strategy? He's asking Jesus, what's on your heart? What's your will? What's your dream for me, for us, for our church, for our location? What are you thinking? It's saying, I want to do this your way in your timing, Jesus. It's saying, I want to connect. What are you thinking? What are you dreaming about? What are you imagining? What do you think, Jesus? I want to invite you into everything. I want to pause. I want to slow down. I don't just want a moment in the morning where I connect to you. I want multiple moments in the day where I draw on you, where I connect to you, where I think about you, where I draw from you, where I just pause and say, what you did here this morning, you can do for me all day, every day, whenever I want it, because you say you're at the door knocking, you're at the door of our church knocking, you want to come and eat with us. It's choosing practices that open the door. Every practice that we do is always to open the door to Jesus. It's always to open the door to him. It's always to make space to enjoy this living relationship with Jesus. Something is happening, whether we feel it or not, when by faith we say, Jesus, this time of prayer, this time of worship, this time in the Bible, these declarations, this time of soaking, this time of just being quiet and silent, these moments of solitude, these moments of of, of communion, these moments of breaking bread, these moments of being with people. Jesus, this is all about opening the door to you. I want to open the door to you. I want to connect to you. I don't want to just go through the rhythm and the habit and then kind of go into an autopilot. I want to meet with you. And you know, like in that life, you don't remember every meal that you have, do you? You remember the special ones, French Christmas, I remember those meals. Every time we're in France, there's multiple memorable meals. <laughs> you remember the special meals, but there are meals that you don't remember. But they are doing you good. And it's when you're coming with the expectation, I'm opening the door to you, Jesus. I'm going to meet with you, Jesus. That he said, I'm knocking, you open, I'm going to eat with you. So it's that time with him that that's what's actually giving us passion, that's giving him us enthusiasm, that's giving us medicine for our blindness, that's where we're receiving spiritual riches, that there's an impartation every time you're with Jesus of his deep life, of his spiritual riches. It's how we get refreshed, it's how we get nourished, it's how we get inspired, it's how we get fed, it's how we get full. And when we're full, we overflow and we give away life. See, the people who are changing the world are these people. They know how to get life. And they know how to get more of it. And then they've got the courage to give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Because I know where I got it and I know how to get more because I've got a source. 